Welcome to Conspiracy of Light. My name is Woody Harris. I'm joined by Josue Cardona, and we are we're watching Babylon 5. We're on the sixth episode, Josue. Sixth? Sixth. Well, seven if you count uh, the movie, but sixth episode in the TV series so No, th- it was the seventh episode, right? Well, Double when, check. I go, when I go to the website... It counts the gathering as not an episode, and then it counts all the way up to six to get to. Oh, fine. <laughs> what episode are we on? We're on episode seven. <laughs> Let the listener note that this is one of those times that Woody was wrong, and uh, yeah, you can, you can, you can tell can me when the you intro see me. if you want. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't. I don't need to redo the intro. <laughs> We're all fallible. We are all uh we're all lost in this planet. For the record, I have a fever and I'm sick right now and I was I was still on the ball. <laughs> <laughs> proceed. Proceed. Yes, okay. <laughs> uh, so this episode is called The War Prayer. It is named after um a Mark Twain essay called The War Prayer. Um did you happen to read that, Josue? No, I didn't. I did not. Okay, we can come back to that in a minute. But this is an episode that kind of deals with uh, a couple of storylines. The first storyline is uh, sort of um, a racist underlining or underpinning among members of the human race, members of Earth. Um, And then the other side of it is this sort of like cultural story about two star-crossed lovers from uh, Centauri, who are Centauri. Centauran, and uh, their their journey through things. So there's a lot of interesting things to discuss here. We've kind of gotten into the racism uh, theme that that's played a part in Babylon Five before. But just first things first, what did you think of the episode? How did it hit you? Okay, so we have this underlying uh, theme. It's kind of like a, a meta theme, right, going on with our podcast, which is that you know what's happening. <laughs> and, and, and where we're moving toward and what's going to happen and yeah. I, and I still don't and I don't know it's like we decided now is the time to do this right I mean in, in part because it's on Amazon now and you couldn't watch it before right, <laughs> right? but right. it feels so relevant like it really does it is incredible to hear the home guard this super racist organization that is and they're saying earth first Right. And we're yeah. not going to, you know, and, and we need to get rid of all the aliens and get them out of here. It's like, it is just Trump rhetoric. Like, like it's like quoting Trump, but this show is 25 years old. And, yeah. And, and yet other parts of the world have gone through this. And yes, in America, we also had this type of thing uh, at different times, but ne- never like this, you know, and to have it just feel so close to home. And I, I don't know. So, so I'm thinking, like, well, I wonder if there will be, there will continue to be parallels between what we're experiencing right now in current American politics and what is happening in the show. And if that's one of the reasons why, like, you're, you're so excited about what's coming uh, soon. Again, don't answer that, but I'm, I'm, that's yeah. what I'm thinking. That's where my mind is at. I love that. And so many good quotes in this episode. Just so good. Yes. <laughs> So, you know, the thing about this whole, there's a zeitgeist, right? And it, it's almost like uh, Babylon 5 was was aware of, it's a litmus test for, for our culture prior to our culture becoming that way. It's like I, I've taken all the sort of like disparate 
entities that are underneath everything, and I've thrown them up in people's face so you can see them. But I, I can say 25 years ago, at least the person I was, was not quite aware of the underlying factions that exist in the world today. Yeah. And maybe they existed there. Maybe it's just I wasn't aware. Maybe if maybe it was very relevant for 25 years ago as well. But it wasn't mainstream, right? I think... Well, you know, it we're... wasn't mainstream, but at the same time... So I was reading uh, some talk from Michael Straczynski talking about the war prayer and the fact that someone had pointed out to them that, hey, someone branded somebody on Deep Space Nine. Hmm. And he said, that wasn't planned. We weren't aware of them. Uh, you know, once we saw it, we were like, that was really a weird thing to happen because we didn't talk to each other. We had no connection with one another. And yet it both happened at the same time almost. Yeah. And to the point that Straczynski even thought of pulling it out of this episode, but ended up, you couldn't really do this episode without putting that in. And I, I think it's fine. You know, it's, it's, it's the creation of the umbrella on two poles of the earth and both coming together and saying, Hey, I've got an umbrella. <laughs> but it was because it was raining yeah. that the need arise, the need arose, the need arisen, whatever. <laughs> the, the need became real, you know. Yeah. And so I, and I think there are examples in history of this type of thing happening, of people being branded and 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 lynched, and those things really happened. It's just I don't know the the, the fact that Deep Space Nine and Babylon Five started at the same time is just weird in general. But <laughs> and around the same time period, and yeah. we weren't really experiencing it in America as as widespread as we seem to be experiencing it now. It's like if all this stuff that that's going on on the surface right now was under rocks and, and Straczynski and, and people at, at people in the, the science fiction world were able to kind of poke under rocks to see, okay, that's, that's what, that's what we're headed towards right there. Yeah. Okay. I, I think the thing is that, I don't know. Science fiction usually does a good job of pointing out the, the things that we're missing or the things that we're headed towards or, you know, there, there's a lot of, I mean, isn't that the point of science fiction? You know, not just the hard science fiction of, you know, we're using a gravity drive or something like that, but the the science fiction that really tackles the deadweight social issue at the center of all of our experiences by just stretching something to the point beyond which we can't see the normal anymore. We see the more heightened version of things yeah. does that make sense yeah 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 and and also just as a canvas for us to be able to talk about things that maybe you're not supposed to talk about or are hard to discuss i the other day i was watching uh, it was something i think it was james cameron's story of science fiction and he was i forgot which example it was but they were saying that there were things that they couldn't talk about on network television uh oh oh it was um it was uh, Sterling from uh, The Twilight Zone that okay. he was that his writings um, were not okay for the time. He could not talk about equality and racism and white supremacy and things like that. And so he created. But he did. But he did. the The only way the networks allowed it was within that framework of The Twilight Zone, and he got away with talking about everything that he wanted to talk about, you know. But but he couldn't just come out and say it sci-fi allowed him to do that and yes and i think good science fiction does that you know you can talk about really important things see things from a different perspective and i don't know i think the best ones you don't see it coming like sometimes it's very obvious but sometimes you don't see it coming mm -hmm. and then at some point you're like oh oh i'm the alien <laughs> right yeah like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah 
There was a really good so a little bit of an aside since we we mentioned Twilight Zone. Uh, while while my wife and I were in London, we went to see the the Twilight Zone play that was on the West End in London, and they did they basically just redid some old episodes. But there were things I forgot about, and one of the things they did was I don't know if you'll remember the episode, and unfortunately I won't remember the name of the episode, but. Uh, this guy's built a fallout shelter because he expects that the bomb's going to come down, and now they've got the air raid sirens going off, and he's getting ready to go in his bomb shelter, and everybody else in the neighborhood is like, we want to go in the bomb shelter too. He's like, well, it's a six-by-six space. I cannot let you in because I've got my family, and I've told you many times you need to build your own bomb shelter, and he closes the bomb shelter up, and he stays in. And then what proceeds to happen is the neighbors all gang up on him first, trying to get in, and then they start yelling racial slurs at each other and just turning it into this crazy, uh, like, it's almost like all their dark sides came out at this crisis moment in their lives because they can't get into this bomb shelter and they didn't have the wherewithal to build their own bomb shelters. And it just hit home so much. I, I think I think the guy sitting next to us, I think it was too preachy for him and he got up and left. But that meant that they were hitting the no, the nail on the head. You know, here we are in England and there's all this talk of Brexit and here it is, right here in front of you, the, the, the most preachy thing that, that Twilight Zone could have done. It was fantastic, by the way. <laughs> oh, man, I can imagine. <laughs> so getting back to what's going on in this episode, the war prayer, uh, yeah, you, you mentioned the Home Guard. The Home Guard seem to be this kind of faction on Earth that are saying Earth first and aliens don't, you know, aliens don't deserve to get my job and why should they get this and we not get this kind of thing? And it, it really does hit home because it, it really is the same stuff you're hearing on the news right now from from some people who are in very extremist groups. Yeah. yeah. It, it's crazy. Yeah. No, it's it's it was surreal <laughs> to watch that episode today. Yeah. And again, it's it's the exact wording, you know, it is. Oh, man, it's un- uncomfortable to watch. Now, one thing that was really interesting was that this episode is very black and white. There were good guys and there were bad guys. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the bad guys were our current day white supremacists, nationalists, you know, Trump, right? It was, yeah. that's what was happening. And then I was surprised that no one on the on the crew was like even slightly gray, <laughs> It was like there was no doubt in anybody's mind. Like Sinclair brought uh, uh, Ivanova along for this trap, and mm-hmm. not once did anybody <laughs> consider that anyone else on the crew might kind of maybe agree with the home guard. It was like no, like we all know that this is very wrong, so we're not. Yeah, gonna it did seem go pretty cut it. and dry. Yeah, <clears throat> how did that hit you? Uh, it, it <laughs> I don't think it seemed very 90s to me because it seems <laughs> right. It's like, oh, they simplified this a lot, right? And I think now you would have had a little more nuance. And so actually, it's a little too naive for actually, the, for the current day. Uh, I don't know if naive. It was just it was just too black and white. There was no there was no nuance. It doesn't like I don't know like TV shows like this aren't like that today. And actually, I don't think you could make that episode that way today you couldn't just have the bad guys 
be Republicans or, you know, or white nationalists or, you know, again, quoting Trump like it is. Yeah. And I'm generalizing too, right? Like not every not every Republican is that way. But like you take that those sound bites and then you apply them only to the bad guys. And I don't think I don't think I don't think a network would have allowed that to air today. Because we know of examples of TV shows where these t- types of issues come up. Um, there's a there's a sitcom called Blackish where they wanted to do an episode about um, Kaepernick and uh, the kneeling uh-huh. for the national anthem, and they that show is fantastic because everything is nuanced there. Like they they yeah. take every single issue and look at it from every possible angle, and along racial lines also so sometimes you're like oh the black people are going to think this and the white people are going to think that but you don't you have the black people who think five different things and white people who think five different things and and that's what makes that show special and the network which is abc asked them to make changes to, to that episode and they refused oh. and the creator of the show actually left the show because of it oh no yeah and okay, that show, i didn't know about that yeah yeah uh, i think Ke- kenya barris is his name and he left the show and the rest of the cast and everything continued and the newest season continues and it's still great. A lot of great creators there, but the actual you know, showrunner left the show and that episode never aired. And I think he said that the, the network was asking him to compromise what the episode was to a point where the episode that they wanted to air was not his intention. And it was so different that they just never aired it. Yeah. So I'm kind of afraid of a good mirror. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is you just don't want to piss off that many people. Because this episode would have pissed off a lot of people. And especially, like, social media right now. Like, you know, even even just a, a vocal minority would have been uncomfortable enough, I think, for a network to say, no, 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 no. Let's not, let's not do that. Yeah, what do you think? Have, do you think an episode have... like that could have come out today? I, I, I don't know. I think you're right. It'd be more nuanced. I think that some shows try to do something like that in, in a more subtle way than that. That's a little bit in your face right there. Um, but the other piece of that is, so I feel like I'm showing a little bit too much of my heart on my sleeve here. But the challenge is, whatever side of the aisle that you're on, is to try to connect with the people on the other side of the aisle in order to try to come to some middle ground. And this episode doesn't do that. No, not at all. There's no middle ground here. There's nothing we can talk about. We can't have anything in common with the home guard, even though I might be able to play devil's advocate and say, you know, it's not fair that immigrants are getting jobs that the earthers aren't getting. But then I wouldn't, that the problem would become, well, you're on Babylon (laughs) five. You're at the heart of an, a democratic attempt to align all these worlds together, yeah. and yet you're going to come here and say, well, it's not fair. Oh, that and was, my, wh- my immediate thought is, go back home. Why are you here on this station? You came because your dreams, it's almost like you know, California Gold Rush, oh, the Babylon 5's opening, I'm going to go there and I can make some money. But you're, you're not even going to a place that is governed by our government per se because you're trying to have this diplomatic connection between all these other worlds yeah well their their plan was pretty ambitious right it was to kill all of the alien ambassadors on the ship which yeah. would be a signal to then kill all of the ambassadors on earth 
And around that point, I mean, he he gives this you know monologue where he says, "We need to put we need to put um, uh, America." I was gonna say we need to put Earth at the center of the universe again of yeah. our universe. Like that's just a very, I mean, you know, it sounds like a nationalist agenda, but it's a it's a Earth first right agenda yeah. is is what he's saying, and and that applies. I mean, presumably based on what you're saying, I think, I think that's exactly the goal. I think they were trying to make it so that everybody would leave earth and they would come back to earth and they would be there because they didn't talk about they actually said earth as the center of the universe they didn't talk about humans because at this point maybe you know maybe the colonies on mars like maybe they, they they're too different now right so they're yeah. they don't they're not really earthlings anymore and they didn't go into a lot of detail there they just kept it very again super black and white very simple but that, that speech, that whole plan, the whole thing was, I don't know, I think it falls in line with what you were saying. They, they, that's probably what they wanted to do. Yeah, I, it just, they, you know, if we, if we shut down Babylon 5, this whole project, this whole attempt at incorporating ourselves into a universe that we don't want to be part of is over. Never mind that there were four Babylons before that, but it's over. We're just going to yeah. shut it down because we can shut it down with our bombs and our plans and our, our, our ideology. Uh, yeah. We're, we're going to take it back, you know? And again, it's like, it's taking, I think another one of the reasons why you couldn't do this episode today is because, and actually uh, the latest, the latest season of Supergirl has been doing mm-hmm. the same thing where they come up with this villain and his name is, I think his name is the Patriot. Okay. And he is, a you know nationalist white supremacist and what he does is he creates terrorists to achieve that goal and actually throw away everything i said before about abc and blackish and all that because the supergirl show exists and it does this 100% it is super black and white <laughs> it is it it actually takes those themes from the news and applies them specifically to the evil doers and that evil agenda creates terrorists who who carry out terrorist acts and i i don't know i mean it's it's uncomfortable i stopped watching this season of supergirl cuz i couldn't wow I, it was so it was so uh preachy like, not just preachy but in like, your face yes both of those are you know ripped from the headlines it's like you're quoting things that are happening on the news and it's very obvious what you're saying and there was no it's what you it's what you said before right it's completely lacking that nuance and that opportunity to come together and have a conversation because there's no way that once this these, this group is literally committing terrorist acts there's no room for a conversation there i think you know it's it's too black and white there's there's no room for even thoughtful conversation and i don't want to see a show like that i don't want to see in a way, it's preachy, but it's also, I don't know, it, it's definitely one-sided. It's Because, like, all of these issues are, are complicated, you know? Like, yeah. I mean, again, like going back to Supergirl, there is an example uh, of, like, this factory where the aliens are, are getting jobs at the factory and they're stronger than the humans. So the company starts hiring more aliens and the humans start losing their jobs and they start retaliating. Like, okay, <coughs> now you're giving me human reasons for this fear and mm-hmm. for for like what's happening and the, and the government isn't supporting the people and it's kind of letting this like you know like there's a little bit of room for conversation there but this episode 
wrapped up and there was nothing like that. <laughs> and that was jarring. Definitely, definitely jarring. You know, the thing is, when it's so in your face like that, I think it misses... I, what I what I was thinking is I'd really like to be able to look at these networks and look at the difference in viewership from one of those episodes to the next to see if it decreases and increases and, and if you had the demographics on those people who are watching to determine who's watching now. Yeah. Who's continuing to watch while we're preaching directly towards maybe something that you don't believe in. Yeah, or are offended by because yeah. so, some, some of this like these topics take it to that extreme. I think a lot of people would be offended to hear the things that they believe said by terrorists because not everyone that has these beliefs is a terrorist or is evil, you know? Right. So there's this person on TV that's using my words but using them in an entirely different way than I'm using them. Yeah, yeah. You know, the, the first episode of anything that I saw that did anything like this, and it did it in a way that I thought was very clever, was Star Trek original series, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. Do you know this episode? Which one is that? No. This is the one where one half of the planet is black with oh, white on one side, yeah, and yeah. the other half is white with black on one side. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a clever way to attack racism yeah. that I was, I was so pleased with that. It's, but, it's, it's such a wonderful example because it's so ridiculous. Right. Right. It but, takes it to the nth degree and forces you to look at it. Exactly. And you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Nope. Okay. I get it. I see what you're saying. You're For right. kids, we got Star Belly Sneetches. <laughs> right? You read the Sneetches book and you got the yeah. Star Bellies yeah. and the non Star Bellies. Yeah. It, it's just a crazy kind of thing. And then, you know, we're going off on this tangent now, so I might as well continue. Uh, there was a class. Uh, I saw this a video, maybe on YouTube, where the class was, they identified some people in the class is better than others and made the others like they treated the others just like this lower level. And they treated these other people that they, they identified as better at a higher level. And it was to illustrate kind of what racism is like and yeah. to, to create this subtle thing. But the, the weird thing was that the experiment was one class, right? But it kind of went on after that. Ah, the, the long-term effects. Yeah. Of yeah. just one, you know, one class. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we've gone yeah. way off Babylon 5. But the, the thing is that it's pointing to all this crazy stuff that's going on in the world, and it's pointing to it from 25 years away. Yeah. Or or, uh, we are reflecting, right? Yeah. Um, we, we're seeing it in, in the context of 2019. We're able to go back and, and watch this uh, this show from 25 years ago. And it, again, yeah, I think... I don't know how I would have felt about that episode if I watched it 25 years ago. Obviously, I, I would have also been a kid. <laughs> it was, yeah. Well, <laughs> would 25 much years ago, that would have put me at what, 26, I think? Yeah, yeah, 26. So I think I had just come into contact with Babylon 5 maybe when I was 26, maybe when I was 27. Yeah. But I, I don't remember it. All that hit me about Babylon 5 at the time was, oh, my God, this is amazing. <laughs> how have I not watched this? No, I mean, the way they handled it, Perhaps now we're saying like, oh, you know, not nuanced enough, but maybe at the time it was kind of shocking, you know, that you would have taken a stand like that. And I don't know. I, I agree with the stand that it took to an extent. I agree with the members of the crew that what the home guard was doing was, was wrong and how they were doing it. But, yeah. you know, and maybe 
25 years ago, it it, it would have felt like a PSA and PSAs were something very common <laughs> in the in, in the 90s when you watch TV. Like TV was really preachy. And yeah. maybe that was, again, just, I, like I said earlier, it felt very 90s <laughs> to an extent. Now, as far as the whole, the, the world building goes, uh-huh. this is... This is so different from Star Trek, right? Star Trek is a utopia on Earth, right? Now we're just exploring and being diplomats right. and right. having adventures. No, no. You've got the Psycor in, in infiltrating the, the the Earth government, and you also have this growing um, hate group, right, called the Home Guard mm-hmm. that is ready to assassinate anybody who is not human. On the bright side, maybe we've uh, surpassed human uh, racism, and now we're just uh, up to species uh, racism. <laughs> we're maybe. species instead of human. Yeah. Human or whatever. Yeah. Our prejudices right are, yeah. are, are different. <laughs> maybe that's an advantage. But like things don't sound great on Earth. And I, I know I've said this before. I don't know if we'll ever get to see Earth. But the more I hear about Earth, the more it doesn't sound that great. <laughs> well, it sounds like a scary place, but, I mean, if you look at – earth right now like some places are scary places <laughs> yeah you know yeah. bombing in sri lanka just the other day it, there are scary things going on in the world it's true um it's true yeah i don't know but it, you know the thing is they start out the episode with branding this membari uh singer of tilar i think it's called tilar but it, it's poet poetry it's songs it's uh, mm-hmm. meant to engage the spirit kind of thing they start out with this, and they're trying to move to this this uh, level of we're going to kill everybody. Well, well actually, I'm going back you're to not that. very surreptitious people. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, you have the worst plans in the world because you couldn't be more obvious. You're, you're like walking around with a flag on your arm, and we're going to take— No. <laughs> if you're going to do something, don't be obvious. Technically, they had—what was it? Uh, blacklight camouflage is what they called it? They had blacklight suits or, or blacklight, yeah. yeah, blacklight camouflage suits, but those suits only work when you're standing still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. They're not like the changeling <laughs> net that was used early on in in, uh, in the gathering. It's true. Um, actually, oh man, well, speaking of the gathering, that's a that's a good place to mention this. This is the first episode that really alludes to events from from the gathering. That's true. We have we see the ambassador. What's his name? Kosh. Kosh, for the first time since the gathering. That's true. We haven't really, we haven't no, really seen, I seen him. No, I haven't seen him at all. I, I think they mentioned him, right? Yeah. Uh, but we didn't They mentioned see him, him as not being likely to come to yeah, their, yeah. their meetings. He's not going to participate. Yeah, it's like he's there, but he's not coming. Uh, they talked about him, and then they talked about um, the, well, there was that super weird moment where he's like, oh, like I like your TV. He's like, thanks. It's state of the art. <laughs> what are you using it for? I'm studying. What are you studying? <laughs> <laughs> he just turns off. It was that was. He just shuts down almost like a like a robot. Yes, it was. It was such a great moment because I don't know what that's foreshadowing, but that's definitely foreshadowing something. <laughs> He's like, I'm studying, you know, Earth. Why? Uh... <laughs> dot dot dot. Yep. Sorry. Sorry, we got disconnected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was talking to someone, and now there's nobody here. Yep. Yep. And then, and then Sinclair talks about how the doctor who saw him, yeah, was transferred to Earth to work for the president specifically, mm-hmm. and that the Psycor agent who 
Lita Alexander. Yeah. She was also transferred. And yep. it's like, oh, there's like there's something weird going on with the uh, what is the race of, of Vorlan. Kosh? The Vorlan. The ambassador. Vorlan. Right? It's like, we don't even, uh, Vanova said something like, oh, we don't even know. Uh, they're so secretive. We don't even know if they need that suit. Like, it may just be like theater, you know? Just for, yeah. so, which is, is so cool. So I, I'm, I'm really interested in about that. But, but I love that they alluded to the gathering in a way that, that makes it feel like part of the show. Like, those yeah. events mattered. And here we are. Yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Sinclair's talking to Ivanova later on. He's like, "How could he have gotten poisoned through the encounter suit?" I never questioned that, <laughs> not once. <laughs> I don't think we did question it when we talked about it before. Yeah. But I yeah. that that's an important question. I think, and I don't have an answer for it. But I, I how did it happen? What yeah. is going on here? Yeah. Well, that that was Ivanova's response, right? Like, hey, like, who knows what they, if they even need that suit? Like. Nobody knows anything about them. So those guys are really secretive. We don't know a thing about them. Yeah. yeah. So the, the, <laughs> the other piece to this story, and it actually still is dealing with culture. And in this case, it's dealing with culture in the way that youth deals with culture and the way you know that we're kind of stuck in tradition. And that's this story of the two kids who come to to Veer to say, Hey, we we need to get away from the home world because our parents are making us marry somebody we don't want to marry. And they come face to face with Londo's values, which are old old world men, uh, old world uh, Centauri values. Uh, that you know we don't marry for love. Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, and by by the uh, like the scheme that he had to cook up for those kids to actually get married years down the line, uh-huh. it sounds like this is something that does not happen often. It's like you need particular set of resources access and time to be able to marry somebody that you love because the the centauri system just won't allow it probably if you are a like a higher society right like a, a i don't i don't know what kind of system they have there but they were talking about like you know these are important houses and and they yeah. need to you know co- you know commingle and and continue their their lineage and so probably for people who are of lesser houses that wouldn't be an issue but it seemed to be uh like really hard <laughs> to, to marry yeah. somebody the oh again like this is this episode is super uh the, some of the quotes are just incredible and when he says like my three wives <laughs> pestilence famine pestilence, and death famine and death <laughs> That's three of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, they inspired me. The thought of having to return to them makes me want to stay here. <laughs> I do love that moment. And this this whole story, I think I think it meshes well with the other one, which is that when when you start and you meet that poet, she says something to Delenn about how what she does is take um like her poetry makes people reflect on their past to learn about their future. I don't yeah. remember the exact words. Poem songs it, that attempt to recall old memories and prompt new ideas. <clears throat> That's yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think I think I think it's the same thing, right? I said the same thing kind of. Yeah. I'm yeah, paraphrasing. Yeah. But it's it's a beautiful idea. It's a beautiful way of of putting that. And then that's the same character who at the end, who at the end is talking about love and saying that you know like I've I've traveled the galaxy and 
the one thing we all have in common is our desire and our need for love. And I think that that's a, a great contrast to the home guard story because yeah, that, that's like, that's horrible. And that, you know, we disagree, but like you see these two kids who still know how to dance, which is another great quote. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Uh, the, the shoes too tight. My shoes um, are too tight. Yeah. I've forgotten the... how to dance. <laughs> uh, I think, I think it's a great contrast, right? Because it's like, okay, so there is, there is just so much good in, in the universe. You know, it's, it's not all bad and there will always be bad things like this, but there are ways to like around that. And there's, there's hope. And yeah. And that quote, right. It's, uh, Londo says that his father on his deathbed said, my shoes are too tight, but it doesn't matter because I forgot how to dance anyway. And yeah. what is, what is his assistant's name? What is Londo's assistant's name? Veer. Veer, right. Uh, and Veer's like, I don't get it. He's like, and you shouldn't have to. Like you shouldn't need to understand right. what my father was saying. I get it because I stopped living. I stopped. I, I forgot how to love. I don't do that anymore. And it's so like I love that scene where they're telling the two kids their plan. Mm-hmm. Veer and Londo are laughing and smiling, and they they mm-hmm. look so happy to be helping them achieve, you know, love or or, or whatever it is that they're engaged right, to be in a happy. conspiracy of light. Yeah. <laughs> mm. I like it. I like it. Um, yeah, you know, the thing is that I, I love that moment where uh Mayan is talking to Londo and and she's talking about love and then she, she kinda she puts the little pinprick moment in there where he's talking about, you know, they'll learn to get by without love and she says, As you did <laughs> and then you just see the thoughtful look cross Londo's face and then the next thing my shoes are too tight and I've forgotten yeah. how to dance. So he's suddenly reflecting on things. So what right, she that does was the with her poem songs, yeah. she does yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I love the fact that she decided to keep the the brand. Yeah. That makes me happy. Um, hmm. <laughs> Why? Why? Because it, it's, you know what? I don't give a care what you do to me. I'm going to stand tall and proud. And if everybody sees this and they see what you've done to me, then they'll understand that, you know, there is, there is a problem in the world and reflect on, I mean, these things are not talked about directly. She just says she's going to keep it because she thinks it'll teach people something, but I can see that it would teach people something, you know? Yeah. If you brand me and I'm, I'd walk proud with that brand on as if it doesn't matter whatsoever, then I show you that your brand doesn't matter at all. But at the same time, I show the world that here's what you did. I love it. Yeah. I like it. I like it. it. It's so dark and twisted and perfect because it, 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 it speaks to the moment. Yeah. No, you're right. It's like, oh, you want to do this in secrecy? You want to do this thing? Well, let's just, let's just shine some light on it. And see what happens. Good luck. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Huh. Makes me want to go get a a symbol on my. I'm not going to get it on my forehead. That seems like really a bad idea. I'm not, I actually wouldn't want that symbol because it just doesn't. It's just. What is it? It's it's, it's a symbol for male and female. Uh, it's sci-fi techno jargon. <laughs> well, it is that. But if you look at it, it's just a symbol for male and a symbol for female in one circle. Hmm. Okay. Which is a very speciesist, I guess, because maybe. I mean, they, they've shown us that other cultures have female and male sexes, yeah. but I guess it's meant to be, this is the way that we represent ourselves on Earth. Yeah. 
I couldn't tell a, what the symbol was, but um, you either have a an arrow or you have a circle. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, 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 no, I mean maybe there's got there's got to be more. There's got to be some differences out there, but uh. Oh yeah, there's got to be. I mean, if we're we're talking about a universe full of people, there's got to be third sexes and fourth sexes, and yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Overall, I like this episode a lot. I think it was, it was again very nineties. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I recently I started reading the the JMS comments that he started writing back then when he was making the show and before that. Yeah, I, I found the the website and started reading and. It was so uh, cool to see him or to to hear him say, I guess I read it right <laughs> to read yeah. that he was talking about how they didn't have a budget to make models and things like that, and so they had to go with CG because it was the only way to to make a ship and and show space and have space battles, and it it gave me so much appreciation for for the the bad graphics, <laughs> right? Yeah, they, they look dated now, but to think that it was it was from by necessity and i don't know it's there's so much about watching the show now and the context you know that that we have and the things we can compare it to and i don't know it's it's such a it's such a fun ride so far and today i realized for the first time i don't know why it didn't hit me before i don't know if i i don't think i mentioned this because i don't think i realized it was that the show on amazon is in widescreen and yeah, you know, I don't think I, I I think I was putting that together the other day, and I was thinking, man, uh, but I thought maybe that I had I had set my TV for it, and maybe it wasn't actually. I thought that, that they today had made it widescreen. I thought that today for a second because there was one scene that looked stretched out for a second, uh-huh. and I think they may have. My guess is that this is a a remaster, which means that they probably cut the full screen version to make it fit the widescreen. They do that with a lot of shows. And usually you can get away with that. I think they did because I remember reading something about the fact that when they tried to make it widescreen, you could see things off to the periphery Uh that weren't part of the scene. Yeah, yeah. So they're kind of doing like a... They used to call full screen pan and scan Mm -hmm. because what it meant was you had a long rectangle and then you had to make a almost square out of it, right? So they would pan the the second camera onto the the rectangle to get where the action is that's why when you watch a full screen version of a movie again like, again if you're really young you have no idea what i'm talking about but <laughs> but <laughs> back in the day you would you would the movie would move very strangely and you're like why does it look that way and it's because it was it was unnatural because this secondary you know like your view view of the image is moving along a horizontal axis to see things <clears throat> so it was interesting today to like I I kind of like got pulled away from the episode for a second and thought oh wait a minute oh uh, yeah this is widescreen what I mean sometimes the sometimes the video looks beautiful in HD and sometimes it looks really really bad I think it just you know it's just yeah sometimes those graphics are really grainy yeah yeah and, and it's <laughs> because we have better TVs now if you look back I mean if you were watching on an old nineties TV you might not see the same kind of flaws in the in the texture of things that we're seeing now because you were seeing it through a different lens uh yeah but also because um because it's being the resolution of our television is so high mm-hmm. the process of remastering it to make it look at high definition is 
again, I'm assuming that this is somehow remastered because it doesn't look super blurry. It looks actually really sharp most of the time, but sometimes it doesn't. And that has a lot to do with the cameras at the time. It may, it may have a lot to do with the, the lack of budget that they were talking about. Uh, yeah. I don't know if it was the last episode or the one before that. You mentioned this old show called The Prisoner. Remember oh that? Yeah. yeah. So I went, I went back and I started. I watched the first episode. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I was like, I'm so proud of you. That is such a trippy show. <laughs> <laughs> and the way it's shot and the way that the, it's cut, it is, it is, whew, it is incredible. But I realized how vibrant and sharp everything looked compared to to this uh to, to babylon 5 and i think mm-hmm. it has a lot to do with again like the interior shots the darkness the type of cameras they were using at the time and it's like you know the prisoners absolutely shot on film right? yeah there's, <laughs> there's absolutely no graphics going on there yeah but but it was shot on film and it looks beautiful still and this is shot on you know like different types of equipment i don't know there's there's again something about it that you're watching and then you're like oh yeah this is 25 years old this is like they they were very limited on a budget it's amazing what they're doing. The sets are incredible, but sometimes you know something had to give. And yeah, like like the scene where the two kids are. Oh, actually, I mean, I shouldn't laugh. The two kids got assaulted, but uh, yeah, right before that yeah. scene, like that the part's be- terrible. That part's terrible. But the bench that they're sitting on is mm-hmm. just like a normal 1990s metal bench <laughs> that you would find in a park. <laughs> <laughs> and and you know, I keep thinking like, oh man, like. I imagine that it must have killed him to have to leave that there, but they had nothing else, right? Like they had no money to make something or find something that looked more futuristic. Or maybe that did look futuristic to them and like now it's commonplace. That could be too. Yeah, yeah. You know, at some point, I mean, we 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 typically like put in science fiction shows, we typically put people in really strange outfits. But I don't know that that much has changed across, I mean, uh, yeah. Certainly, the styles have changed a little bit since the '60s. So maybe I can say that there's, that there's just not a lot of wildness that's going to go in in our clothing, uh, regardless of the time. So maybe there's not going to be a like, maybe there's no more futuristic sofa than the sofa I have right now. <laughs> I don't believe that for a second. <laughs> <laughs> or more future. I mean, so at some point it's functional, right? Okay, the function is to be comfortable and to keep you off the floor. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> How much more souped up can you be? Well, mine has uh, USBs in it. Okay, that's a little more futuristic, but uh, there's not much more you can do to it. I don't know. Oh, and it also has LED lights at the bottom, so you can you can change, act like you're driving down the street. It changes color. <laughs> it has built-in Wi-Fi. It talks to you. All that stuff. It tells you your butt's too big. Yeah. Go sit in another chair. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> the future everybody <laughs> uh so i i think i think, I think we've kind yeah. of wrapped are, are kind of to the point of wrapping it up but i want to talk yeah. about the mark twain i really want to encourage people to go read this because it's a really simple thing to go look up the war prayer it wasn't originally published while mark twain was alive it was something they found after he died and maybe because it was so controversial i mean mark twain's alive during the time of civil war and uh, what he's saying maybe doesn't match with what everybody wants to see, but it was a very enlightening and yet disturbing essay. And the synopsis, I'm just going to be brief about it because I really want people to read it. You start out with uh, people are going to war, and so they, it, before they go to war, they have a war prayer. And the war prayer is, you know, help us overcome our enemy, help us to 
be brave in the face of fear and, and you know all these really laudable sort of qualities and this old man this other man hobbles in and stands up next to the preacher and he says you've heard one side of the story but do not leave until i've told you the other side of the story and the other side of the story is oh lord please let our enemy bleed from their ears please let our enemy gnash on our on our bullets you know what all these terrible things that you could possibly say this is that he's kind of saying this is the this is the second side to the story that you're missing you know there's all these great things about being uh brave and and uh powerful and uh successful and what we're missing is the coin side of that is please let them be weak and and terribly in pain and and go through horrible you know yeah i i, I loved that that essay and it made me think a lot and I was trying to apply it to this episode and and I haven't really quite put it together yet but as I'm saying it I'm thinking about the fact that we're seeing one side of the story and we're not seeing the other in terms of what really could happen hmm yeah I don't know yeah I mean and earlier I described it as one-sided but that's not what what I meant right I meant like no. There was there was like one group telling this story, but yeah, no. What what, what Mark Twain's poem is is saying then is in in the context of this episode would be <clears throat> like the home guard wants to do this, but they don't. There's no speak of the. There's no talk about the cost or the suffering of right. the aliens or the suffering of the people who love the aliens or of the peace that is currently, you know, on earth and on Babylon five and of the progress and like, you know, all these things that no one thinks about or no one talks about it. Like all that graphic stuff that you said, it's true. People wish horrible things on other people, but the, they wish them in a way that's just good for them. Yeah. 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 There's no thought of the process, you know, like, what exactly has to happen? What cost is there? What what are the steps? What are you actually asking for? You're asking for a result, but you're not talking about the the required um, steps to get there. You know, to track that, what would have been really good would have been if something had had, had to happen to something that, that Malcolm Reynolds, is it his Reynolds', Reynolds his name? B- Biggs, Malcolm Piggs, not Malcolm Reynolds. <laughs> Wrong show. <laughs> Uh, that Malcolm Biggs, some, something that he held dear would have to fall as a result of his actions. But it wasn't that kind of episode where you get to see the villain come face to face with his own heart. Yeah. I mean, in a way, the the title War Prayer almost, it seems ironic in that the episode didn't touch on anything that the, the poem does. Like it doesn't get that far. Maybe it doesn't. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, going back to, uh, famine, pestilence and death, the fourth <laughs> horseman is war. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So hmm. I didn't really talk about that. It's, it's kind of odd that it's a Judeo Christian ethic that, uh, <laughs> that Londo <laughs> is, is speaking of. Um, hmm. yeah, it's, it's a good episode. I, I'm glad that you, uh, glad that you watched it with me and I, I'm looking forward to our, our next journey. Yes. I'm glad that you got to say conspiracy of light in this episode the first time. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to try to start saying it every episode, baby. The next one is called And the Sky Full of Stars. This is episode eight. Hmm. 
I'll remember hopefully next time that this is episode eight. Hey, that's what I'm here for. <laughs> Keep me in line, Hostway. You got I, it. I, I can't do it without you. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for talking to me about uh, Babylon 5. We'll, we'll go watch the next episode and come right back. You know, for those people listening to us, it's going to be just as simple as snap. But f- for us, it's probably going to be a few days. So, uh, you know, if, if you want to ride along, you can take a few days before you come to the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> or a few weeks. Uh, you, can travel to, you can travel to London and then come back, watch the next episode. Yeah, yeah. Travel to London, go see the Twilight Zone uh, play, yeah. and then come back and do the episode. That That's, that's the way to do it. Yep. <laughs> so we'll see you after your trip. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Josue. We'll talk to you soon. Bye, everyone.